Hello, this is Timmy Black, and welcome again to another episode of The Lives of Contemporary Artists. You know, people often speak about their near-death experiences. They talk about the heightening of their consciousness, the epiphanies that reorder their priorities, and some even talk about God. They describe the drama of being tossed by giant waves and filling their lungs with briny gulps of ocean water. They talk about violent traffic accidents with cars skidding out of control on wet, dark, rural roads that miraculously leave them without a scratch. I've heard people tell stories of waking up during medical procedures and feeling the cold, surgical blades tear at their flesh as if it were an envelope. There's an arrogance to these stories, as if the wisdom found in these experiences were not accessible to those of us who conduct their lives without significant drama or incident. But what most people forget, or worse, choose to deny is that we all get to experience near death during our nightly ritual of sleep, or better still, the afternoon nap. Drifting off gently into a mellow, muted oblivion, the soft, helpless submission to the forces of fatigue the warm welcoming of the blank emptiness of insentient slumber, if this does not resemble a surrender into the abyss of the dark unknown, then I guess our poets got it all wrong. The bomb of hurt minds, great nature's second course, those immortal words of Shakespeare came to mind after seeing the most recent work of the New York performance artist, Regina Flanner. For those of you unfamiliar with Flanner's work, it's a sort of hybrid, a, a dog's breakfast, if you will, of genres and motifs, so much like the artist herself. This incredibly mercurial artist makes beautiful paintings. She creates really strange, monumental mixed media installations. She writes fiction poetry, art criticism. She competes and trains others to compete in triathlons. She teaches. She plays poker professionally. She sings in a touring bluegrass band. She does intensive vipassana meditation, appears regularly on a nationally syndicated reality TV program about dog training, and to top it all off, she and her wife Candy have nine adopted children from six different crisis countries. Flanner's deceptively simple new show might very well be her finest. It consists of a 60 square meter white walled room with three shaker mission beds and three nightstands each, appointed with a small tan moleskin notebook and a fine point micron pen. The piece is called it is easy to have more talent than I, a reference to an obscure entry in one of Wittgenstein's diaries. It seems that the Austrian philosopher was apparently referring to his weakness for sleeping late into the morning and how that indolent practice presented a competitive edge to his colleagues. 
in this one elegant configuration of domestic furniture, Flanner calls into question the contemporary assumption that idleness is, and here are Flanner's words quoted from the exhibition's gorgeous catalog, that idleness is the bedfellow of sloth. This rather beautiful rehabilitation of laziness got me thinking about how much time I used to waste beating myself up about all the time I wasted. Back when I was a much more ambitious artist, I would spend hours and hours toiling away in the studio. I would read fiction see obscure foreign films and enjoy long evenings with friends debating ideas over cheap beer and Spanish peanuts. I remember that it wasn't that far back when I used to laugh a lot, especially at my own expense. Now, like everybody else, I spend most of my time either on the internet or listening to self-help audiobooks with the unrealistic expectation that I can improve myself. I find that attempting to realize what they call my greater good is a hell of a lot easier than actually living and it sort of gives me that momentary thrill that says, you're awesome. The enterprise of personal development is where you replace the social and aesthetic position of looking outward for the more self-absorbed focus of looking inward. You might say that it's about as far from the condition of sensuality as you could possibly get, short, of course, of dropping dead. I used to feel guilty about this inward turn in my temperament until I experienced the full meaning of Flanner's brilliant installation. The bed, she seems to be telling us, is like death, the great social equalizer, and it hardly matters how we spend our time or what we actually accomplish. She reminds us in the most lyrical of ways that if one can only begin by objectifying the self, turning one's life into a project whose ultimate goal is the avoidance of humiliation and the evasion of excessive self-loathing, then the messiness of existence can be flattened into something that resembles more a spreadsheet than an adventure. Her beds, standing as proxies for both death and repose, act as a provocation that is meant to declare that our significance in life is always in direct proportion to our capacity for love. And if our capacity for love cannot extend beyond self-love, self-improvement, self-actualization, then, well, too bad. That's it for me this week. Please check out my latest LinkedIn updates and try to find it in your hearts to like me on Facebook. I'll be back next week, tanned, fit, and ready to present another episode of The Lives of Contemporary Artists.